come with me into the tormented, haunted, half-lit night of the insane. This is my work. Let me lead you into it. Let me take you into the mind of a woman who is mad. Hi, and welcome to Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, a good ghoul's guide to horror. I'm your poltergeist, Kinsey. I'm your poltergeist, Donna. I'm your poltergeist, Adrian. Poltergeist Debbie, she said she was going to be hanging out with this documentary film crew. Yeah, she'll be back next week. I'm sure it's fine. Yeah, it's totally fine. So this week, we watched the 2006 cult classic, Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. So before we really deep dive into this, let's go around. Did you like it? Did you not like it? Donna, I'm going to start with you because I know you. this is your first viewing of it. Yeah, it was my first viewing of it. And in fact, I don't know that I'd ever heard of it before we decided to do it, which is important because I knew zero about it. So when I first started watching it, I was a little off put at the very beginning because I didn't quite understand what I was watching. Then once it got going and I, I kind of got a good grasp on what I was actually watching, man, was I into it. This is a great movie, you guys. But you kind of have to get past figuring out what it's about. Adrian? I love this movie from moment one. I legitimately cannot tell you how many times I've watched this movie. It's just so good. I think that the very first time I watched it, I kind of went in not expecting very much at all. I'd watched Hatchet, and then this came up on a list of like, if you liked Hatchet, check out this movie. And I was like, well, okay. And, uh, and oh man, this is probably one of my favorite movies. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have a kind of a real similar answer to yours, is that I love this movie. I loved it from the get. Uh, we had actually heard about it the first year we went to Frightmare. Like, they were promoting it like, hey, this is coming out. And so basically once it came out, like it was one of those we bought sight unseen. And just once it started, just loved it. There's a lot of lot of fun Easter eggs. It's a good time. This was one of the movies that helped me realize that I think my favorite genre is probably meta horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. It is definitely that. Now, because a lot of people that aren't familiar with it, uh, are good good buddies at IMDB. I'm so excited to hear this. <laughs> they are going to tell you the next great psycho horror slasher has given a documentary crew exclusive access to his life as he plans his reign of terror over the sleepy of Glen Echo. Okay, that's not inaccurate, at least. It's not wrong. It's not great. No, no, no. It's it's not it's not great. That's it's like the worst elevator pitch I've ever heard. I'd agree with that. Okay, so we we ready to deep dive in? Uh sure. I think we're gonna have the problem here where like I don't actually have a lot of notes because I was just really into the movie and liking it again. Yeah, the movies we like tend to be shorter episodes. So this, yeah. this one this one may be a short drive episode. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're running to the store real fast, just, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was looking over my notes and most of them are quotes. Same. Uh, <laughs> I would say over half of my notes are quotes. Quotes and then talking about genre cameos if you will yeah let's uh let's go ahead and do our spoiler warning here from here forward there will be spoilers all the spoilers so let me just start with how delighted i was to see robert england playing dr loomis and being heroic it was delightful because 
the first time I ever saw Robert England was not in a horror role, and I loved him. And so I'm just delighted to see Robert England not in a horror role. Donna, you can you don't have to confirm this, but I know which role you're talking about. You're talking about V. <laughs> because he tells this story about because he had V and the first nightmare were on about the same time. Mm-hmm. And so he was doing the sign and I want to say it was in New York City. And so, you know, there was a pretty decent line. And one of the execs at New Line was like, oh, well, Nightmare's not really doing good. And I can't remember if it was him or Craven said, oh, no, just wait. And then, like, about after 2 o'clock, like, all, like, the punks started, like, showing up, like, that had just woken up. And, and like, all <laughs> these, you know, very leathered out. And then it's like, no, no, now here's the Nightmare crowd. He was the cutest little nerdy lizard. <laughs> Such a cute little nerdy lizard. I like that. And I just, and I probably have caught it before, but his name in this is Doc Halloran. So it's like, all right, come on. I get it. I like it. Yeah. Good shining stuff there. I like it. Well, I, I, I enjoy that this movie, like, it doesn't, it's not playing coy or shy about what it's doing. It's just like, here are all of our references. Enjoy them. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. We're not going to be subtle about it. So yeah, I felt, I thought Robert England was just great in this uh, very small, but vitally important role that he had and how excited they all were with, I've got an Ahab, I've got an Ahab. (laughs) That was one of the things that I thought they handled really, really well in this movie is dealing with Leslie's glee Mm -hmm. and how infectious it was. And then also almost immediately being like, but no, wait, he's actually killing people. I feel like that's really where a lot of the source of horror in this movie comes from. It's just how easily how easily they were caught up in it. Nathan, how do you pronounce that last name? Not going to try. Okay, we'll just call him Nathan because we're friends. Um, <laughs> Nathan was really good in this role because so not only we'll just start with hot i mean he was hot um we'll start with hot and then move on to super likable i mean how could you not like that dude he's so awkward and then he layered massively creepy on top of that and it was just this beautiful character sandwich that was just delicious I suddenly mm-hmm. dropped into a metaphor, but I like it, so I'm <laughs> sticking with it. So this beautiful character sandwich that was just delicious and complex and full of texture. Well, you know, so much of this movie depends on the characters being really, really good because it is like the documentary style, so uh-huh. so they have to be compelling. And I feel like everybody did such a good job in this movie. How about Taylor's Shelley Duvall energy? Oh, um, Yes! yes. <laughs> Minus the you know, emotional abuse, but yeah. <laughs> I think it helps that Nathan is very charismatic in it because need that. Like, and I, I don't think it would have worked if it was just one note. Mm-hmm. Like, like you had to be drawn in like, like the crew was. Yeah. Again, I didn't know what I was getting into. So I'll just kind of back up to the beginning. And, you know, that opening sequence is pretty clearly low budget. And I was like, oh, these are some guys who are basically in their backyard on a Super 8 at the beginning. And then uh, figuring out that this movie was, you know, like like uh, Cabin in the Woods was, hey, this is a really meta movie and the characters are going to actually comment on the meta but the the conceit of behind the mask is that yes it is meta but the, that's real the the meta-ness of the movie is real within the context of the movie you know they're sitting around talking about 
planning out these things. And so the, these tropes are not just something they talk about as a movie trope, but something that is real within the context of the movie. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I do like the way that it sort of switches. Like it definitely does start off feeling kind of low budget. And, uh, but, and then as it goes on, it kind of like, well, I don't know. Maybe they saved the whole budget for the closing credits. <laughs> well, you can definitely tell when they're doing the documentary because it's kind of grainy. But then when you see him as Leslie, that's when it is, it's clear. Mm-hmm. Well, they dropped their cameras. They, yeah. They, we quit getting that handheld, shaky, um, poorly framed stuff and went into professional, we're making a movie because the documentary guys had put down their cameras. Yeah, and it's really, because you see a little bit when you first see Kelly, and then that library scene is really when it's like, oh, we're... Yeah, and he really was like a little monkey. (laughs) You see him (laughs) jumping around those shelves, and oh my gosh, it was delightful. It was so good. And oh, the lady whose name I can never remember as the librarian. Zelda Rubenstein. Yes. I was like... Oh man, she's delivering this so well. <laughs> it's like he planted her there. Yeah. She's yeah, such the creepy harbinger character. That that little high voice of hers that whispers in that, that little round face and that tiny little hand. It's just perfect. Mm-hmm. If, if I'm going to hear supernatural news or stories, I want it delivered by her because then I will take it seriously. Listen, I need to believe Zelda Rubenstein is a wonderful, warm, grandmotherly character. And if she's not, I just I just don't want to know. Uh, Zelda <laughs> Rubenstein needs to be um, wonderful and warm and sweet and kind. And I don't want to know if she's not. I have not heard anything to burst your bubble, Donna. So good. So we'll leave it there. Yeah, but the third. So we've mentioned two of the, the little uh, Easter eggs, but... The third one is Kane Hodder showing up at the very beginning at the Nightmare on Elm Street house. Because, yeah, they showed the Nightmare on Elm Street house, the Halloween house. They showed Crystal Lake. Oh, and that was my, my other, my, mm, I loved so much that in the context of this movie, Freddy Krueger and Mike Myers and Jason Voorhees are actual people who existed in the world. And Herschel is calling him, I'm sorry. I know that's not his name, but that's who he is. Uh, Herschel is calling him Jay, Mike, and um, Fred. Fred, you're right, Fred. It was just wonderful that in this movie, those are real people and those are real things that happened. It's just wonderful. Hmm. One of my favorite scenes is when he's cutting the carrots. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And Taylor's just looking at him in in what is nearing wide-eyed terror and um, Leslie's in the background laughing and that laugh looks so genuine <laughs> like like it legitimately looks like he was just trying to hold it in for the entire scene and did you get of course you guys got because you've watched this movie a million times the implication that uh, Jamie was actually his final girl oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah 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 and uh and they ended up together and you're like wow that is a level that is an extra level of creepy that just jumped into their relationship so to to bring in the seriousness uh, for just a moment um how stockholm syndrome do you think she was oh total yeah when you when you take into account all of her behavior it gets weird right 
like how she left him in the deprivation tank for like three days three days yeah and uh the way that she's like i was fast wasn't i (laughs) and i was like whoa jamie yeah that was uh that was a creepy creepy relationship um but that's something this movie does beautifully is take that creepy stuff and act and act like it's mundane. Like, of course the killer ended up with his final girl. Of course. I mean, that's just, that's just how things work. I mean, TBH is not that far off from a romantic comedy ending. So. <laughs> I mean, also you can go to AO3 and probably find fanfics about it. So. Uh, you could just take that probably out of that sense. Not that I've looked or anything. I love that Leslie went for just like the extra edgelord backstory. Like any one of those details in his backstory would have been enough. But he was like, I'm putting all of them in here. It's just like, let's put it all in a blender. Let's mix it up. And this is me. Will it blend? See what happens. Yeah. (laughs) Will it blend? Oh, gosh. The camera guys. So we got Todd and Doug. I love them. <laughs> Aren't they just once again kind of taking a cliche like Todd? Todd was a cliche. He was a little bit of a creepy dude. He was a little bit of a, there's a word that's escaping my brain. Pervy? Yeah, he was a little bit pervy. And then all of a sudden he's like, I'm going to be the hero. I'm going to be the hero. I'm going to aggro the bad guy and I'm going to run and I'm going to save you all. I'm going to sacrifice myself for all of you. And, uh, and then when, now I'm just wanting to call him Nathan. Leslie. Leslie. When Leslie caught him and listen, what he was doing was exactly what you should do. He was, I'm Todd. I'm Todd. You know me. I'm Todd. Mm -hmm. And that was exactly the right, of course it didn't work, but that's exactly what you should do is make him see you as a person. You know, he thought they were friends and, mm-hmm. and trying to remind Leslie that we're friends. We, we bumped elbows. We're friends. Yeah. But man, but when that mask comes off, when, when Todd is pulling the mask off, there is nothing there. No, That is not who they have been hanging out with all those weeks. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. it is a, a blank slate. Well, in the context of, you know, the story that Leslie was leading them on the whole time, by the way, Leslie was leading them on the whole time. Uh, <laughs> in the context of that, it makes sense that, you know, once that mask comes off, Leslie is not who they thought he was. True. Well, and I mean, you even get to see a flash of that whenever he shoves Taylor up against the car. Yes. I don't like horror comedy. And I know I've said this on this podcast before. I don't like it. The scary movie movies, I hate those with everything inside of me like i just i do not like horror comedies the scary movie movies are not a loving parody of horror movies they no, are they're not. a scathing mocking of horror movies yeah yeah exactly but like i don't know there's been other horror comedies i'm just i'm just not into it for the most part and the times that I think it works is when it's still acknowledging the darkness of what it's doing. And I feel like this movie does that. Like when it lets Leslie... For sure. When it lets Leslie get creepy and abusive and scary at Taylor. Mm-hmm. And then we still see her like ignore those red, those red flags and continue on. And I think that's what makes us work. And you know, it's, like, it's, it's the same thing with Shaun of the Dead. There's still darkness. Like there's still like... 
deep wells of sadness and despair to go through before you get to the end of the movie. They did like all the characters are so good. I, I got off on another trail because it's like there's just so much to like about how they did this. Um, but but yeah, that 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 switch that Leslie has is. And he never lied to them about it. Like he told them the truth. He he told them from the get go, this is who I am. This is what we're doing. Yeah. But then again, you know, when he went through and he outlined his plan every step of the way, you know, he was both telling them the truth and lying to them. Yeah. Because it was not going to be Kelly. It was not going to be Kelly doing those things. Yeah. So I liked that. I was really disappointed with um, Taylor not remembering that all those weapons had been sabotaged. I really wanted her to walk in, grab the sledgehammer, put it down, and then go grab something else, something maybe weird that he hadn't sabotaged. Uh, so I was, I was a little disappointed in that. But on the other hand, if she had done that, then that would have made his planning less perfect. And we needed his planning to be perfect to make the movie work. Well, and I think that that's part of the thing is like, he's planning for a panicked person. True. And I think that that's something that a lot of people forget in horror movies is that the people in these movies are panicked. They are not functioning at like best problem solving capacity. True. Well, and even she remembered enough. If you notice when she did go in the shed, she went further in the shed. She didn't grab the first thing. I think she might've been thinking maybe he didn't go that far back wanting Kelly to grab the closest one, but she went all the way in the shed. Like it wasn't fair, but he did specifically mention the pickaxe and that's what he grabbed, what she grabbed. So yeah, at least it was in the back. Yeah. True. True. He also didn't, he only mention it in that I, I blunted the tip, not, no, he. Um, oh, he loose. No, he he. Sh- the the thing that holds the head on. He sabotaged the thing that holds the head on. I don't remember what the word was, but yeah, he sabotaged all all the weapons. So that's like I said. That's my thing. Is that he went? She went at least all the way in the shed. She didn't just reach in and and grab a weapon. Yeah. So let's see. Who else do we want to talk about? I want to talk about the point where she said, so does that mean you're pro-life? <laughs> yes. It's like she, she had kind of reached a point where she was just done with his shit. And, <laughs> and, was, and he didn't like it. He didn't like it when, when she challenged him. The look on his face was so great. <laughs> and then she was like, you're a pro-life chauvinist? I really liked their banter together. It was so good. Yeah. Like, his sort of, like, awkward nihilism and her, like, innocent optimism were really well paired. Because there there took a level of naivete for her. Because let me me just assume that he was sincere and he wasn't playing her the whole time. And at the end of this, she was going to have a documentary, right? How Mm -hmm. does she not get accessory to murder? I just assumed that the rules in this world were somehow a little bit different as a result of slashers existing and being allowed to retire. Yeah, slasher rules, (laughs) like with this being in that universe where these slashers exist altogether, I think conventional rules that you're talking about, I don't think they exist. Like, Okay, That, that was kind of what was especially at the moment that he had attacked the kids in the bedroom. And before she freaked out, my thought was... What are you going to do with this documentary, Taylor? (laughs) (laughs) You made a thing, but you can't use it. (laughs) You're going to jail. 
Donna, I like that you made her name sound like a swear word. Taylor. I think that's the next generation downs, Karen. <laughs> that's McKinsey. <laughs> McKinsey. <laughs> um, Doug. I really like Doug. Does he kind of look like David Grohl to you guys? A little bit. I, I, I see I see the Grohlness. I wouldn't have said David Grohl, but he does have kind of one of those faces. I'm a bassist in a band. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm a bassist in a band. He's been in a band, probably in high school, maybe still in a band. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I just loved, there was this moment when he looked at Leslie and said, I love her, man. And as soon as he said that, I suddenly flashed on all the long shots of her face. I mean, there had been so many just weird angled shots of her face and you were like oh that was Doug he does love her they did such a good job of giving us character development on the camera guys yeah before they were ever on screen like Todd with his long slow pans up the legs Mm -hmm. okay Todd's a perv Doug loves her yeah it was a really good movie it's put together so well the details in this movie just like they floor me and for me, I want to, I want to, I meant to mention this much, much earlier. Um, now, again, if you know what you're getting into, if you know you're getting into this kind of meta um, comedy thing, you probably won't have this reaction. But for me, having no idea what I was watching, I was reminded of this movie, which was actually based on a play called Noises Off. And the first part of Noises Off is honestly not that funny. It's not that entertaining, but it's necessary to set everything else up. You have to sit through the first, I'm going to say, 30 minutes of Noises Off, and then it becomes this gut-splitting comedy. It's so funny. It's so entertaining. Um, And that's kind of how I felt about this, um, where you kind of have to get through some rough-ish stuff where you're figuring out what's going on but once you once that's all established and once you've got okay i understand what world we're in oh my god it's good so good yeah it's i think that is only a problem you have if you don't know what you're getting into like i said i I, i'm pretty sure i found this movie through um having already seen hatchet and like with what hatchet is as a movie this uh, like I went in being like okay so this is going to be another sort of like meta slasher film and see I guess because I knew what I was getting into with this so seeing those little the rough edges with and then also the easter eggs mixed in I think that helps it a lot so then it's like okay and yeah I know I know what I'm seeing I know where I'm at and then it just to me, it's it's like a burrito. It just builds. Like it just, you know, we got we got our beans, we got our rice, whatever our protein is, some cheese, a little sour cream, and then it all just it's it's a nice horror burrito. <laughs> <laughs> You've got your horror burrito. I've got my killer sandwich. Right. And the dialogue is so good in this movie. It is great. Without being oh, like, it still feels real. Like like it feels very real. All of the characters have this like sort of awkwardness to them mm-hmm. that makes it feel like there's somebody I would actually like that you can actually meet. Well, they have this awkwardness, like somebody who's never been on camera before. Yeah. And is, you know, one of my absolute favorite moments was when Herschel took a cut to the camera because that is something a professional actor never does they never look at the camera so for him to look at the camera 
made it real that we were looking at a documentary. Mm-hmm. You know, that this is not Scott Wilson, a fantastic professional actor. It was Eugene, who's not comfortable being in front of a camera. It was, it was, it was just, just this split second was just a really masterful moment. I really like that the whole premise of these slashers sort of rests on the idea that they're doing something worth doing. That, like, the awakening of this girl is worth the lives of ten of her friends. (laughs) Yeah, like they are teaching the world a lesson. Yeah, yeah. By doing this. A valuable lesson. Because without evil, there can't be good. Exactly. But yeah, with this film, it does talk about the morality tales, if you will, like, because that's kind of what slashers have become. Don't do this. Don't do that. And it, I mean, with that evil quote, it does talk about that. And I like, you know, jumping back to the dialogue, it sounds natural. It doesn't sound too scripted. Like, don't get me wrong. I love Scream and I love how genre savvy that is. And it's fantastic and whip smart, but it's, they're a little too on the nose. Like, the dialogue feels, it's not, it's not real. It's clever, but it's not real. Yes. Thank you, Adrian. That's exactly, it's, when they're having discussions about this world and this genre, like, and they're giving plausible explanations why, you know, slashers are able to do this, like him talking about cardio, having to work on that, doing the, the sensory deprivation tank about slowing his heart rate down. Like, they give real world answers to that to make it seem that's what he did. Yeah. That's what he did. God, this is a good movie. Yeah, no, the movie tells you everything. The movie gives you all of the information that you need for the ends. I actually wondered how much of it was unscripted. Like, maybe they, they didn't just sit the actors down and say, okay, this is what's supposed to happen in this scene. Go. Because cause the dialogue did feel really natural. I don't know if they Blair Witch this, I, or if it is just... I. I it's just them. It's just that it was in the script. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't think it's, it's not, they're not as rough as Blair Witch and scenes. You know what I mean? Like there's just enough of a, a polish that I think this is just the strength of the actors. I do. I think that these are all some underrated fucking actors that need more work. Well, like as a, for instance, when Doug asked Leslie a question and then they stopped and said, oh, we should get you, Taylor, asking that question. And then Taylor asked the question and then Leslie answered it again. Leslie's answer was a lot more natural when he was answering um, Doug than when Taylor answered the question, asked the question, and then he answered her. It, again, it was just it was just a beautiful detail that when he was just speaking off the cuff, his voice was very natural. But when he was like, I know the question that's coming and I know what I'm going to, I have time to think of my answer. Uh, that answer was a little more, a little less natural. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what the phrase I'm looking for was, but it was, again, just a really nice touch. That's so good. Very good. I have to talk about real fast. I I know this is a little jump back, but I got to mention like three of my favorite Easter eggs that are in this because it always makes me happy every time I see it. But at the very beginning, when Taylor's walking around talking, you see Red Rabbit Inn sign, which that's from Halloween. Like, I love that. Uh, A little bit later, uh, when they're at the high school, you see the little girls in the the white uh, communion dresses jumping rope like that's nightmare on elm street like i love that and the final one is in eugene's house the 
laminate configuration is there. The what now? It's from Hellraiser. It's how Oh, 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 okay. You saw the puzzle box. That's how Hellpriest and all of the Cenobites get there. What about the hat he was wearing? Um, I don't know that one. The cruise from Lockhart, Texas. Like, I think, I don't, that one I didn't know. But, yeah, I pointed out, I found the ones that I did know. So, the only thing I could think of, maybe Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but I'm not, I'm not 100. Uh, there's a whole wiki page for him with sections, but they're all empty. It says he was, he was, he was from Black Christmas. Oh, okay. That makes okay. That makes sense. Well, I don't think I'd ever realized that that character had a name. He does. <laughs> yeah. No, they call him. They call him Billy in Black Christmas. Yeah. But. His according to the wiki, the fandom dot com wiki entry, Eugene, also known during his 1974 killings as Billy, was a sadistic and mentally unstable serial killer who killed several girls in a sorority house during the Christmas season in 1974. He would later retire and become married to Jamie, as well as mentoring aspiring killer Leslie Vernon. So they just lifted that character. So was Jamie the final girl in Black Christmas? Olivia Hussey plays Jess. Margot Kidder is Barbara. Olivia Hussey's the final girl. Oh, okay, then not Jamie. But Jess. She could have easily, I mean, he's Eugene now and not Billy. So, which, True. knowing that's, that is a, that he's supposed to be a black Christmas nod, that makes me very, very happy in my heart. I mean, I don't think that's just a nod. That's a. Uh... Yeah. No, I mean, knowing that that's who he's supposed to be, that makes me super happy because I love black Christmas. All right. What else do we have about behind the mask? Can we talk about the closing credits? Yes, let's talk about the closing credits. <laughs> did you watch them, Donna? I did. And I sat there the whole time as like this great big block of text was going over. I was like, I know he's going to sit up. He's going to sit up. My only question was whether he was going to sit up or whether he was going to, what a quick little monkey he is, vault off the table. So every time a big <laughs> block of text would go over, I would be like, I can't see. I can't see <laughs> what's happening. So, yes. I, and it was, my God, how often do you have amazing tension in final credits? Right. There was amazing tension in these final credits. Yeah. Um, so if if uh, the remake of Dawn of the Dead are my favorite opening credits, this movie right here is my favorite closing credits. Mm -hmm. It's such a, like, I, I watch that scene in its fucking entirety every single time. Same. Amen. And it's closing credits. Yeah. And you know what's going to happen. And I, yeah, I know what's going to happen. Like, even though I know there's going to be a, like, worth it, like, gotcha stinger final scene at the end of Marvel movies, I'm still mad about watching those credits. Like, I don't enjoy it. I'm just sitting there and I'm fucking with my phone. And I'm like, I could just leave. I could just leave and look up whatever the scene is. I don't have to stay here. <laughs> but I watch the entirety of these credits every time. I don't remember which Marvel movie it was. It was one of the re recent ones. And I was watching it for a second time. And oh my God, my bladder was the size of a soccer ball. And <laughs> as the credits started rolling, I was like, I can't, I can't. And I got up and I started moving and I could just see people watching me. And I just wanted to say, I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen the final <laughs> scene. It's okay. I'm not being uncool. I just have to pee. I, I don't remember which Marvel movie it was. But I was at one of them and I watched what I assume was a breakup or a divorce as the girlfriend wanted to leave and the boyfriend was like, but 
no, there's going to be a scene. And the girlfriend was like, we're leaving. And I was like, oh, man, this is not a happy relationship. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Well, as soon as you start making demands like that, we're going to have to talk. Yep. Let me see. Let's talk about Kelly. You know, it's all about the girl. Let's talk about oh, Kelly. Kelly. She, the reveal on her was. So here's a question. At what point did you realize that Kelly wasn't the final girl? Um, you know, I was suspicious from almost the beginning, from almost, you know, the moment that I was like, oh, okay, this is a documentary about, from the beginning, I was suspicious, but it did, it did the thing a lot of really good mysteries do where you're like, okay, well, I know what's happened. And then it starts leading you off this direction and leading you off that direction and off this other direction. So I was suspicious that she was going to be the final girl um, through most of the movie. Um, I think I became convinced of it when he threw her up against the car. I was like, oh, this is not, this, this is not a healthy relationship. Uh, so um, that was me. Uh, yeah, I was floored the first time I saw this with I, Kelly and Taylor being the final girl. Like I, yeah, did not see it coming, did not, uh, you know, when, when they barge in on Kelly, I'm like, oh crap. And then when Taylor has a realization that she's the final girl. Yeah. At the same time I had the realization. So yeah. I think it was sometime around when Leslie said she needed to be a virgin and the look on Taylor's face, like Taylor's reaction to that, which was just like freeze. And also he said he could tell. Yeah. And, uh, and I think somewhere around there, I started to be like, huh? Mm hmm. I didn't know for sure until that Kelly reveal, though. As soon as that Kelly reveal happened, I was like, well, all right, here we go. <laughs> yeah, and that was that was really well done because that was definitely not a virgin move. <laughs> what, was, was, that, was that reverse cowgirl? Was that what that was? <laughs> like, My favorite part of this is Kinsey at this moment, and I, like, this is making me sad that we're not a visual podcast. <laughs> I was goodness, just Kinsey. I didn't know you could turn those colors. <laughs> I was just confirming and I'm a little flush. Apparently just keep, the, the, the flush just keeps getting more and more and more. It's amazing. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so they, they, they managed to, to just in a moment, reveal oh no this is not what we thought it was because like they say that's no virgin yeah well so. i love her reaction too whenever taylor's trying to explain like when taylor's still holding on to this idea that it might yeah. be kelly well it needs to be kelly for, yeah. for for taylor it needs to be kelly i'm sorry continue no no i was just like i wonder i was just thinking i wonder if doug or todd had put it together at that point mm. i don't think todd mm. I, you don't think maybe. todd no, Doug maybe. You don't think Todd knew Taylor was a virgin? Doug definitely knew, probably. That conversation with Kelly where she's, where she's, um, and Kelly's like, I'm not a virgin. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, we got that. We got that, Kelly. But thank you well, for confirming. <laughs> and they set her up so well, like, they even let her kind of have layers because most virgins don't get to, or most non-virgins don't get to hang out in libraries and be yeah. researchy. Exactly. She was the smart girl. She was the girl who worked hard. Mm -hmm. And she was the girl who really enjoyed her sexuality. Yeah. She worked hard. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we're not, we're not, there's no slut shaming going on here. No, 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 no. That you, was not. You enjoy yourself, girl. Yeah. 
that was not uh, not a dig at uh, her enjoying her sexuality. That was she works hard. That scene where they pulled the bra down, bras don't work like that. <laughs> I wonder if those breasts are credited. I don't know, but that bra was definitely not attached. Bras stay put. That's that's the entire purpose of a bra is to stay put. And if it's just coming off because you pull it gently with two fingers, that bra is not attached. There, everyone on this podcast knows how a bra works. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> Good job, Donna. There's a stoned guy and slightly more stoned guy. Sure, sure. I like those credits. Those were two of my favorites. Which one was the slightly more stoned guy? Matt Bolt. Teo Gomez was the stoned guy. That doesn't actually help me. So the more stoned guy was the white guy. Yes. Slightly more stoned guy. The slightly more stoned guy. Okay. The boobs are not credited. Mm. So then they probably were Kelly's boobs. They were very nice. Not bad as boobs go. All right, so I have our quote, which is, the girl is the key, and I just I thought I had the quote. We had a lot of quote contenders, because this movie has a lot of fantastic quotes, and we let fate decide, which Adrian rolled the dice, so. Because I'm a big nerd, and I have a full set of D&D dice just sitting on my desk, in case. <laughs> All right, now Donna, you have our rule. Which is why I thought I had the quote, because the rule is a quote. Never hang out with a virgin. You got a virgin in your crew, either get somebody in her pants or get the hell away from her. While keeping in mind that virginity is a construct. (laughs) Yeah, but in the reality of this movie, it's clearly not. (laughs) Real world, yes, Adrian, 100%. Slasher slasher world, it is black or white. (laughs) I think in slasher world, a virgin is anybody that hasn't gone further than kissing. If you've gone further than kissing, you're not a virgin in slasher movie world. A penis definitely changes a woman. I don't even know if it's a, like, I think a man's hands can change a woman. Mm, okay. I wonder if in slasher movie worlds, lesbians are virgins. You know, we haven't seen that, or I haven't seen a film that deals with that. So that, I need, I need my two writer friends, I'm looking at both of you, <laughs> to, to get on that and write that, uh, write those rules for i need schools to open back up so my kid can be out of the house for (laughs) give me time to write (laughs) p.s i don't need schools to open back up until it's safe please thank you yes we need it to be safe enough for schools to open back up yeah you know actually safe enough not just we've decided it's safe enough yeah yeah like like legitimately the cdc is like no guys it's cool you can do it now all right and our poll because i've seen horror movies right (laughs) listen to scientists i think that was a rule recently yeah we we've done that rule we've done many variations of that rule turns out it's a recurring theme (laughs) and if it's a woman scientist definitely listen to her okay i'm sorry that's all right don't apologize (laughs) uh i have our poll which is would you have been the final girl now i'll do i'll say the caveat this is slasher maybe we should go by slasher rule i don't know my slasher rules i would not have been a final girl in any movie taking place after i was 17 same (laughs) i would have been i would have been the final girl ladies i would have been yep (laughs) okay so kinsey's the one we can't hang out with in high school No, no, no hanging out with Kinsey in high school. Um, no, I think I think beyond that, I would not have been the final girl because I was a giant nerd weirdo. 
And I wouldn't have been invited to the party to begin with. You would have been Carrie is what I'm hearing. Yeah, I would have been Carrie. I don't think I would have been a final girl, virginity aside, because I was too busy being Jamie Kennedy's character in Scream. I did not become his character until much later. I would have been the girl Leslie saw walking. It's like, oh, she wasn't even on my radar, but now she's on my radar. That would have been me. Uh (laughs) Yeah, I loved loved the doe-like quality of her. As she like paused and made eye contact and then slowly faded away. It's a really nice scene <laughs> that happened in like three seconds. This movie is so full of those though. Like everything, it all just feels so well thought out. Like fucking Scott Glosserman and David C should just be really, really proud of what they put together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the whole thing is great. Do we have anything else? before we close the book we should mention that we've got a really fantastic surprise next time mm-hmm. we do we do that is uh that is coming up uh and we're we're we're, we're keeping it surprisey but just hang it's tight. really hard oh it's totally hard <laughs> it's so hard but it is a very cool surprise we're we're, we're very excited but i want to uh thank everybody for listening we all we do appreciate it oh um and thank you for who bought us coffee. Thank you so much for. Oh, we have a new review we need to read. Oh, okay. Donna, read our new review before we start. Wait, wait, wait. Is it good? It's five stars. Dread Pirate Murdoch says listened for quite a while and have enjoyed it after listening to the newest episode i wanted to point out that they put out sweeney todd the demon barber of fleet street in concert blu-ray in 2016 which is really good it has george hearn patty lapone and neil patrick harris in it (gasps) so that was uh back in january thank you so much dread pirate murdoch we really appreciate it and if the rest of y'all would get off your butts and give us reviews we'd read your review too But yes, we had a friend click our buy us a coffee link and bought us some coffee. And hey, do we appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thank you. We know who you are. I miss you. We do appreciate it. So thank you so much for the review, the coffee, everything. You know, we're we're very thankful for our fans. Uh, You can find us uh, on Twitter at Beyond Cabin, Instagram and Facebook. Beyond the Cabin in the Woods. Our webpage is beyondthecabinandthewoods.com. We are part of the Gumby Cat Network. And as always, thank you so much to our editor, Billy, for making us sound fantastic. Do appreciate it. Hey, Billy. So you can find me at SoonerDVM on Twitter, and you can find me at Donna underscore Leahy on Instagram. I'm not terribly active on either platform, but I'm there, and I would love to have the follow. You can find me at Junkyard Poet on Twitter, where I am mostly uh, playing a lot of Final Fantasy games right now and Final Fantasy adjacent. All the Final Fantasy games. All of them. I have, yeah, I've got a new goal to play all the Final Fantasy games. I'm currently playing Final Fantasy 14, which is an MMO, so that just is forever. And I'm almost done with the 7 remake. I'm playing the original 7, and I'm playing the original, well, not the original Final Fantasy, because I don't want to go buy a Nintendo, but I've got the Origins on my Vita. And uh, you can find me on Instagram at Saint of Unicorns, where it's mostly pictures of my dogs and cats. Worth it. (laughs) Worth it. Not wrong. I am on Twitter and Instagram 
under close to 77. Uh, Twitter's going to be a lot of nonsense, but hey. And Instagram is usually cat picture. <laughs> also worth it. <laughs> so thank you, everybody, so much. Really appreciate it. Don't read the Latin. Do you know what horror is? Gumby Cat Productions. Podcasts for podcast people. Meow. Meow.